perspective. Are you a half glass full type person or are you a half glass empty person? Do you consider yourself to be an optimist or do you consider yourself to be a pessimist? When you look at others or particular situations, do you tend to see the good or do you tend to see the bad? I find that our particular perspective of things is important to how we respond. If our perspective is focused on all the negative things, we tend to have a negative reaction. But if we have a positive response to how we see things, we tend to respond positively. The truth is, is that no one likes to be around a negative Nelly or a Debbie Downer all the time. Negativity breeds negativity, and positivity breeds positivity. Yet we all know that life on earth isn't always positive. It's not utopian. We all experience ups and downs. So our attitude will not always be positive when we experience heartache or suffering or pain. But that doesn't mean that our perspective has to be negative. Why? Because everything is shaped by our perspective, the lens that we look through together. As we continue our sermon series on Exodus today, we find ourselves on the other side, so to speak. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and then God took the initiative and called a man named Moses to be his servant who would lead the people out of slavery and into freedom. And as we've been reading this together over the summer, we know that this did not happen overnight. Pharaoh refused time and again to let the Israelites leave And so God acted in a mighty way, displaying his power through signs and wonders and plagues to finally force Pharaoh's hand to let his people go. Even when Pharaoh finally commanded Moses and the Israelites to leave, at the last minute, Pharaoh changed his mind and had a change of heart and sent his army to pursue them. Well, the Israelites, as you read last week, We're sitting there on the edge of the Red Sea with nowhere to go and Pharaoh's army in the distance coming after them. They were sitting ducks and they became worried. They were an emotional roller coaster experiencing joy and elation in one moment and then in the very next moment it turned to anger and to resentment. Their perspective constantly changed like shifting sand. But as God would have it, he would not allow them to be captured by Pharaoh, and he miraculously parts the Red Sea so that they can safely cross over to the other side. But Pharaoh's army still seeks to pursue them, following them on the dry sea. And as the Israelites got to the edge of the waters, God allowed the waters to recede to save the Israelites from all harm making good on his promise to finally free them once and for all. And so prior to our passage of Scripture today, Exodus 14, verse 31 tells us this, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servants. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure hope they feared the Lord and put their trust in him after that. God had been showing himself to them time and time again during the many signs that were going on during the entirety of the Exodus event between the standoff between Moses and Pharaoh. 
They had witnessed the Nile River turn into blood. They had also witnessed and experienced plagues of unforeseen nature, of frogs and of gnats and of flies and locusts, of darkness, of hail, and even boils. And all the while, when they experienced these things, they didn't experience it. The Egyptians did, and they were saved from it. They had seen the livestock of Egypt die while their livestock lived. And finally, at the very end, they witnessed the mourning of the Egyptians during the Passover that forced Pharaoh's hand to let them leave. And if all of that was perceived to be a strange coincidence, God saves the best for last, displaying his mighty power by parting the sea so that they can safely cross over to the other side. You see, at this point, there is no way to deny that God is on their side and that he has delivered them from slavery to freedom as he had promised them. And so their perspective shifts from negativity and resentment and anger towards Moses and towards God, being glass-half-empty people, to optimism that God has saved them and has now blessed them. So the question becomes, what is one to do after such an event? Praise. Praise. Moses leads them in song. A song of praise that declares the majesty and the power and the goodness of the Lord. He says, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both driver and horse he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. There's no other response than to offer praise to the one who has shown his graciousness in saving them. This song is about the Lord and what the Lord has done for them. It acknowledges that it's the Lord who has done this, that he is responsible for making a way out of a dead end. And so the people seem together declaring, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. And their song of praise declares God's mighty works and their gratitude for what God has done for them. And it resounds by saying, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. They've been living in Egypt for over 400 years in a polytheistic culture where there were many gods who were worshipped. And Pharaoh acknowledged their God, but not that their God was more powerful than all the gods that they had worshipped. And yet here in this instance, they discover that God is like no other God. He is awesome, he is powerful, that he is holy, and that he alone works wonders in their life. And they declare it because they've experienced it and because they've witnessed it and they have seen it for themselves. And so they offer nothing but praise to the Lord who saved them. And in offering that praise, they bear witness to the nations of what God has done. This is their life story. This is their life song to declare the mighty works of the Lord. And this experience of God's miraculous hand has given them a new perspective that leads them to an appropriate response of praise. 
God doesn't command them to offer it. He doesn't force it upon them. They offer it freely out of gratitude for what they have received. Now, honestly, praise is often not our first response to things in life. We kind of live in a world and in a society where criticism often hinders praise. We find reasons to be critical rather than seeing the good in things. And like Israel, we can complain and grumble when God is making himself known to us. Rather than seeing God's signs and wonders and offering praise to God for them, that he's revealed his presence to us, we often wallow around in what hasn't been done. When it comes to our relationships with others, we often speak words of criticism rather than words of encouragement and praise. It's so easy to see the world and people through a lens of discontentment rather than focusing on the goodness of God around us. If we can't offer words of praise to those around us or see the goodness of God in others without first seeing their flaws, then how can we praise the one who is always good? You see, our perspective will limit our praise, particularly if we feel that God is holding out on us or not giving us what we want all the time. This was Israel's downfall during the Exodus event. They couldn't appreciate God's presence with them in the midst of their struggles because they only focused on their struggles. What about us? What is our perspective as it pertains to God's presence and goodness in our own lives? Do we have a limited perspective and tend to focus on the negatives rather than the positives? This past week, I was driving down Winkler's Creek Road. For those of you who know, Winkler's Creek Road is a very narrow and curvy road. And as I was going around a blind curve, I had to slam on my brakes immediately because right in front of me was this big red truck who was blazing up the hill trying to pass a cyclist. He had gotten very impatient and didn't seem to care about the fact that somebody else might be around that corner, and he just took off. And I wasn't going fast at all. I was going slow, thank God. And I slammed on my brakes, and he swerved in front of me and just missed that cyclist. Cyclist was shocked. I stood wide-eyed and then eased off my brakes. And as I did so, All of a sudden, this bright red male cardinal flew right in front of my windshield and crossed the road. Now, what you don't know is that a number of years ago, I was reading a book by another pastor who spoke about having a God sign. He talks about how in Scripture there are images and signs of God's presence among us. And if we read the book of Genesis, we know that God offers the rainbow as a sign of God's presence and promise. So he encourages others to to choose a God sign, something that would be a visible representation of knowing that God is with you. Something that you wouldn't see constantly, but something that, that would remind you every time you saw it that God was there. Well... As you can imagine, my God sign is cardinal. And in that moment, this cardinal flew right in front of my truck, and I knew without a doubt that God 
was making his presence known in that situation. God had prevented a bad accident from transpiring, something that could have been really bad, not just for me and for the driver, but especially for the cyclist. I could have focused negative emotions toward the driver who almost caused a tragic accident, but I immediately began to praise God in prayer for showing up and intervening. Praise. Praise. Now, I know that some people would argue that it was just a simple coincidence that the cardinal flew in front of me, but I don't believe in that any more than I believe that it was a coincidence that the plagues happened in Egypt or that the Red Sea randomly parted. In fact, I could tell you multiple stories where a cardinal has shown up in the midst of my conversations and questions with God so many times. And I share this with you today because our perspective helps us to focus less on our problems and more on the praise of the one who is with us and can help us solve our problems. You see, the more that we open our eyes to God's presence among us, the more we realize that God is faithful in the midst of our joys and even in our sorrows. I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. We are here today for the first time since March 8th of 2020. It has been 61 Sundays since we worshiped together in this sanctuary. That's a long time. I remember very clearly after that Sunday worship service having a session meeting with the session downstairs in one of our rooms to discuss where do we go from here. And we made the decision early on to go ahead and shut down out of fear that people might get sick. And it has been a long, long 15 months. Life has changed a lot in our world and here at home. It's not been easy for us at all. But I find that it would be so easy for us to focus our attention on the negatives of this last year. I mean, we could complain about our isolation from one another, not being able to hug or see our family members or even to worship in person together. We could focus on our attention on the frustration of learning how to do Zoom a lot. Or wearing masks and how uncomfortable and what a hassle they are. And how when you wear glasses, they fog up and you need windshield wipers. It would be easy to see the pandemic as nothing but negative, as if God had abandoned the world for a period of time. But we would be foolish to think that God wasn't present during all of that. What would happen if we changed our perspective to see God's presence with us in the midst of all that has transpired in these last 15 months? You see, the church didn't shut down. It just operated differently in a time of uncertainty. In fact, we were forced to enter into a new normal, a new way of making worship available, expanding to an online presence that we'd never had before. And we went from sermons on Facebook Live with 40 or 50 of you hitting the little like buttons while I'm trying not to be distracted while I'm preaching, to a church member, Rob Robertson, coming and recording and, and editing, and Kelvin doing it on a little bitty camera, 
to Colton Courtney coming and recording and providing a full service for us. We had to go from zero to 60 in a very short amount of time, and we didn't know what we were doing, but God made it happen. And God made it happen for all of us to be able to stay connected. So in all of this, ironically, God used it. God used it. Because see, there are people all over the world who have tuned in to watch our services. That's crazy, I know. But it's true. I've received emails and contact from people from Pennsylvania, from Alabama, from Puerto Rico, from Afghanistan. In the midst of a turbulent, crazy, weird, uncertain time, God used it to push us beyond ourselves. We had more people participate in our Christmas Eve service than we could ever fit in this sanctuary. We've had two pandemic new members classes. Thirteen people have joined the church when we've never had regular church service. We've been faithful in serving folks in our local community through our food box ministry every Friday for over a year. And your generosity helped raise over $30,000 to be divided among five local agencies who were struggling financially to keep up with those who had lost their jobs and who were hungry. Praise. God gave us the opportunity as a congregation to purchase live streaming equipment so that together we could live into the vision that we set in our Vision 2020 but at the same time, to be able to continue to make sure that even as we gather here today, those who can't be here, who are uncomfortable being here, can still be a part of what we are doing. And I know Zoom can be tiring, but it has also allowed some of our own who have moved away from us to stay connected with their Sunday school classes or their small groups. And how could we ignore that God has provided hope through vaccines that have been effective at preventing serious illness and death in just under a year's time? And so today, just like the Israelites who left the wilderness of Egypt, we come back to God's sanctuary after a long time of separation. And do we complain that it's taken too long to get here? Or do we give praise to the Lord who has done marvelous things? I guess it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Yet when we look at what God has done and continues to do, we see the mighty hand of God and his presence with us once again making miracles happen. In fact, the psalmist commands us to shout for joy and to sing a new song to the Lord for God's deliverance and his salvation. And he commands everyone, and I mean everyone, including all of creation, the sea and the mountains and all living things. Why? Because there is no one like our God. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, and always working wonders. We just need to open our eyes and change our perspective to see the goodness of God all around us, even in the midst of our difficulties. And when we do, and when we do, we can offer nothing but praise. Nothing but praise. A life song of 
praise to the one who has made his salvation and his righteousness known to all the nations. My prayer is that our praise would honor our faithful Lord and bear witness to his mighty wonders in our own lives. But the good news, friends, is that God will safely bring us to the other side. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.